Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Second verse, same as the first. That's right. It's Adnan <laughs> Verk and Michael Lombardi. And normally we get released on Wednesday. I had a few tweets and a few comments from people saying, hey, what happened? Where are you guys at? Technical issues. That's right. Confounding us all. It happens to the best of us. And that's why we actually recorded a terrific episode yesterday. We're going to do the exact same thing today. And you guys will get to hear it. Maybe it'll be even better. Right, Mike? Absolutely. You know, when you said second verse, same as the first, uh, you know, when I was driving, I had to go to South Carolina this week to speak to the team and I'm crossing the Walt Whitman Bridge and there's Peter Noon, Hermit Hermit's second verse, same as the first. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, I know that line from somewhere before. There you like, go. I want to know who's going to see Peter Noon to sing that one song. Like, seriously, like I often wonder that I see these names on the board, like who is going to see, like, I would listen to it, but like, I'm not paying to go see him. Would you? No, Paul Fima once said to me, he was a big Herman's Hermits fan. And I said, I don't think I can name you more than one song. I remember the Naked Gun, you know, something yeah. something tells me I'm into something good. I'm like, okay, got yeah. it. After that, like, that catalog is a really slim, that's like a 30-minute concert. <laughs> Carol King and Jerry Goffin wrote that song, even. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm into something good. That yeah. They wrote that song when they were in the Brill Building, when they were in the Brill Building, right? Can you imagine working in the Brill Building in New York in 1950 and just sitting there at your cubicle writing songs all day long? Can you imagine that? Well, speaking of buildings, I do want to point out where you are right now as you pull back the curtain. You are in Ocean City, but not in your home. You're in your office, which Sean Cherry yeah. tells us you're like Sam Spade over there. You're like you're straight out of like a like a Philip Marlowe. Like all of a sudden, you think you're Bogart. You're in an office and you have your name like stenciled on the door, like it's the 1950s. I've been in this office for almost 15 years. I've had it because Millie basically said, none of your notebooks are coming in this house and none of your stupid collectibles crap is coming in this house. Like we're going to have a, like a, you know, so I have all my stuff here. I have all my notebooks. I have all my, you know, I have a, my Bobby Kennedy stuff. I've got my Cleveland Brown stuff. I got Valley Forge Military Academy, all the things. It's like my man cave. It's very economical. And I come down here and I haven't been using it as much, but now Sean, thank you very much. Sean set me up with this great studio. So now... I can't, I can't not come down here. I got it all figured out. This is great, man. And uh, by the way, if anybody has any private eye work they'd like to get done, just send the word <laughs> to Michael Lombardi. He will yeah. get his best guys on the case and see if they can yeah. investigate the crime. You know, cheating husbands, that kind of thing. It's always good. At a very fair rate, by the way. Lombardi charges oh, a fair I'm rate. I'm like Jim Rockford. I'm 200 a day plus expenses. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm Jim Rockford, 200 a day plus expenses. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, Let's get to it, man. Baker Mayfield. Now he says he denies the Daniel Jones comments. So I love this, Mike. Whenever I see somebody say something controversial, I have to say I didn't say it. Like, I'm just waiting for the reporter to go, well, here's the tape. Like, here's the evidence. Like, either you said it or you didn't say it. And and you can say, hey, I said it. I I didn't mean it the way it came out. Or I'm sorry for it. That's fine. But Baker's comment is, this is not what I said. And in case you need a refresher, he basically mocked the Giants for taking Daniel Jones, saying the guy's not a winner. He's not very good, blah, blah, blah. What do you make specifically of him saying, I never said that. I think this. I think that you know he. We know he said it. So obviously, it just didn't happen out of thin air. It's like uh, you know, it's like 
you, you know somebody, where did it come from? Now, I know people try to generate stories, but why? this isn't like something that you would just pick as a generation of a story, right? So you, you got to think it came from somewhere. But to me, the deeper issue here is Freddie Kitchens coaching this team. He has got a bunch of characters on his team. He does not have a team of character. He has a bunch of characters. And he's not doing a good job of managing. Look, I'm told reliably that when you go watch their practices, they practice hard, they work hard. But Baker Mayfield kind of organizes everything, and he keeps people in line. And now they don't really do a good job of keeping everybody's expectations. You know, I wrote this column for the Daily Coach the other day, and we talked about expectations. And I said, you can't manage expectations. you got to lead expectations. You can't expect your players to stop. Like, I'm tired of the Odell Beck. I'm tired of all this stuff. Like, we have to focus on winning. We can't focus on Daniel Jones and everybody else. Like, tell me one team you've ever been around that has commentary on other teams that wins. Yeah, it's one of those things that, of course, privately, guys make comments, but publicly, it's like rule number one, don't give ammo to the opposition. Why give any fuel to the fire? Like the only time I was standing yesterday, when Namath guaranteed victory Super Bowl three, he wasn't denigrating the opponent. He just said, we're going to win. Like we're 16-point underdogs, we're going to beat the Colts, whatever. But if he had said, by the way, I think the Colts stink and United says it has been, well, that's a different story. That never works. No. And I mean, look, there's one thing to raise the level of your teammates, but the other thing is like, like, that's why I call him Virgil Salazzo. I mean, look, Virgil Salazzo made his move on Godfather and it didn't work out, right? The next thing you know, he's the hunted one, right? He can't, he's worried. Like, this team is hunted. Everybody wants a piece of the Browns. Tennessee, that's all they talk about in their locker room. They can't wait to play the Browns opening day. Like you're getting everybody's best punch and it's because you've demanded it. It isn't because all of a sudden you just said, oh, well, you know, we're good. Like you got to bring your A game. And people are going to play you differently. People are going to blitz zero uh, Baker Mayfield. They're going to force him to stay in the pocket, not get out. Like, before you start running your mouth, don't you think you should just at least think about it? Like, you didn't even make the playoffs. I guess the fact that they're on national TV, what, five of the first eight weeks that's gone to their head? Yeah, listen, I like a guy who's cocky. I like a guy who's confident, believes in his abilities, but I want you to back it up too. Although I don't want to, I don't want an empty suit. I don't want to do just a bunch of talk. So listen, as a guy in the media, do I like Baker Mayfield because he speaks his mind? Absolutely. And by the way, if they have a great season, Mike, we'll be the first ones to say congratulations. Yeah, no to doubt. Absolutely. But but I don't understand knocking another team's quarterback. That's just never it just it's not a recipe for success. Yeah, and, and what what could you what do you get out of it? I mean, like seriously, what do you get out of it? Like, where are you going to go with it? We know we know Daniel Jones may not have been the fourth, the sixth pick in the draft. We know Colin Farrell may not, but at least give those kids a chance to play and see where they are. Yeah. Look, I, I watched Daniel Jones last week against the Bears, and literally Matt Nagy could have gone down to Teamsters 105 over in Newark and gotten 20 guys to come out in the field because that's really what he was playing. He wasn't playing with guys who were going to play in the NFL, right? So Daniel Jones looked good. Eli looked good. The Giants looked good, but they didn't play against anybody. That's why preseason is so hard to handicap because you don't know who's actually playing ones against ones, twos against twos, ones against threes. You don't know. And so, like, we'll let Daniel Jones have some time, let him work his way through it and see what he comes up with. I mean, we did the same thing for you, Baker Mayfield. Like, Nobody thought that there was question marks whether he was the first pick of the draft. I would have taken Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield. For me, I was worried about Baker's height. I was worried about the Georgia tape, how he couldn't really throw the ball outside the numbers, and I was worried about third downs. He proved me wrong based on this year. We'll see how it goes. One of the best parts of the GM Shuffle is we're not only reacting to the major stories of the week as we are here with Baker Mayfield, but also driving content, giving ideas and what Mike has been thinking about specifically. And this week, speaking of quarterbacks, your focus is on the Tennessee Titans. And we've known Marcus Mariota, awfully talented guy coming out of college, a high draft pick, but it's now at the point where it's been inconsistency, injuries, and he hasn't really delivered. And you think there's a real question mark now for Tennessee. 
Yeah, I get the sense that Tennessee doesn't think they have a starting quarterback. And here's where I think we have to really – here's where you screw it up in terms of uh, when you're a general manager in a league and when you think about something, you don't realize, you know, you have the first pick overall in the draft and you trade it for to the Rams for Jared Goff. And you end up getting Austin Johnson, Derek Henry, Jake Conklin, Corey Davis, Janu Smith, LaShawn Sims, and Kalen Reed. That's basically the haul you got. You got basically seven players for that one pick. And now you need a quarterback. And here's the reality. You couldn't trade those seven players for Carson Wentz. Now, you couldn't call the Eagles up and say, hey, we're going to give you these seven players, because you don't even have these seven. I mean, Kalen Reed, I think he's on Seattle's team now. You could, you don't even have these guys in your stable. You're going to turn around and send them? I think they made a mistake. I think Mariota is a better athlete than he is a quarterback. I don't think he's, a, he's going to be a guy you can build a franchise around. Now, I think next year they're going to be looking for a quarterback. And I think the lesson to learn here is – even if you think you have a quarterback, you should probably draft a quarterback. Think about that statement. Even if you have a quarterback, you should draft a quarterback. You can never have too many quarterbacks, especially in no. today's game. No, because it's the only thing that you, it's the only car that when it leaves the showroom doesn't lose its value. Like you're always going to get great value for it, right? You have two quarterbacks, people are going to, like right now, everybody that has a backup quarterback, I mean, Josh McCowan just got $4 million to come out of retirement to play for the Eagles or $3.5 million, yeah. right? I mean, nobody has backup. Look at Detroit's backup quarterback situation, right? You have nobody. Like this year, just hypothetically say the Arizona Cardinals have the first pick in the draft, which is a good, good, good hypothetical equation, mm-hmm. right? They said, well, you don't, they don't need a quarterback. How do you know? How do you know? The Titans didn't think they needed a quarterback. The Browns traded Carson Wentz away because we know that Paul DePodesto, remember he said that it was only the 25th best player in the draft. He, yeah, wasn't he loves even the, in the analytics, top. worked with the Dodgers, yeah. Right. He wasn't in the top 25 quarterbacks ever. He's not going to be a good player. We forgot about that, right? Sashi Brown traded away, and he let the Eagles come up. And now the Eagles are sitting there, and the Browns had to go through two more staff, you know, staffs to begin. Of course, Hugh, who could do a podcast without the great Huey headlines here in terms of talking about what he – you know, he didn't think Wentz could play either. So the reality of it is, is – but my issue here is I don't think Tennessee truly believes that Mariota's their guy. I think there's some I think there's some doubt in their team. They got a good team. They're better on defense. I mean, if Tennessee doesn't win ten or eleven games this year, you know it's going to fall right on the hands of the quarterback. And look, Matt Lafleur, the offense coordinator last year, there were ten games they scored less than twenty points. Now Mariota was hurt. We understand that, but they scored ten games less than twenty points, and they were three and seven in those twenty in those ten games. Tweet us uh, either individually, M. Lombardi, NFL, Adnan S. Ferk, or email us, thegmshuffle at gmail.com. Do you think the Titans need a quarterback, or do you think Mariota delivers this year? Curious to see what your thoughts will be on that. Speaking of teams that are going to be bad and needing quarterbacks, because to Mike's point, if you want a quarterback, next year everyone's looking at Alabama and Tua Tungavailoa or Justin Herbert out of Oregon, 6'5". He thought he might go in the draft this year, decided to go back from the year of college. Who's going to have the first pick in the 2020 draft and have a great chance at either Tua or Herbert? I, I, You know, this is a great question. And I think to me, you know, everybody looks at, you know, who's the best team in the league. I think you got to focus on who's the worst because I think when you do this, you kind of get a sense of, especially if, you're, if your teams are playing or what they're doing, who you should always go against because teams that get bad, like let's say Detroit. Detroit has a real good chance. When you watch them this summer, they're try, they tried to beat Houston in the preseason. Now, Matthew Stafford didn't play. Why is Matthew Stafford not playing? Because I hear Matthew Stafford's back still not 100%. I hear Matthew Stafford still has back troubles. I mean, they have no backup quarterback, and Stafford has his wife. Hopefully, she's improving. Who has an off the field issue? Right? She has she had brain cancer, brain tumor. Right. So we hope she's better. And then he's got a bad back from last year, 
and they've got nothing really behind them. I mean, they signed Josh Johnson. They got Tom Savage. They don't have anybody behind them. So, like, how could they not be a lock for the first pick in the draft based on where they are with their roster? If Stafford misses five, six, seven games with his back, where do you think they're going to be? Absolutely. Listen, he's a good quarterback. Like you said, I, I feel awful for him when he's dealing off the field, and there's just not enough talent on that team. And you're right, Patricia. We've made him, you know, you've had that great line about got the pencil behind the ear when it's a laminated sheet. But bottom line is this he's making bold proclamations. He feels like his team's going to be the Detroit Patriots. Put up or shut up, man. I don't think they're a very good team. And I don't think, especially in that division, like, I don't think anybody I- expects the Lions to be a 500 team. Yeah, I mean, look, the, I, I I say this on Visa and the show I do. I, I'd bet the under on the Lions. I think that's one of the best bets of all time because the Lions, are, you know, because there's a good chance Matthew Stafford's not 100%. We've been focused on Andrew Luck's, you know, ankle. But Matthew Stafford's back injury, I was told late last night that Matthew Stafford is not really 100%, and he may not be 100% for a while, and it's going to take some time. And if it's going to take a hit, like their offensive line isn't very good. They're looking for linemen left and right. I mean, their team, I know they have it. Now, they just signed Snack Harrison to a $12 million one-year contract. I mean, that now, they say they're the Detroit Patriots. Like, do you think the Patriots would give a defensive lineman $12 million for one year and not get more years? Seriously. Yeah, that's an outrageous I'm, amount of money for a what I mean, and they've overpaid. Do you think the Patriots would pay Trey Flowers $18 million for, for on a contract? They had Trey Flowers. They thought that was a ridiculous, you know. So it's one in one breath they say they're the Patriots, and then they act like the old Lions. They, they just sign players. I don't have a lot of hope for that team. I really don't. I think that's a problem. I think the New York Giants could easily be in the top five picks. I think if they if Eli starts slow, which he has the last two seasons, he's two and fourteen the first eight games in the last two years. If he starts slow, they go to Daniel Jones, and they go to Daniel Jones, it ain't going to be pretty. How are they going to rush the passer? How are they going to protect the passer? I don't know how the Giants do it. Now you know they're all hot and trot about their team. We'll see. But I think those two teams, I think Detroit, the Giants, could easily be along with Arizona. They could be the worst teams in football. Now, we got to give Arizona some time to see where they are because they've got some defensive players, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson. I mean, they've got some talent on defense. They just haven't played to that level so far. And all that focus is going to be on Kyler Murray, how well he acclimates Cliff Kingery's system. Obviously, Cliff's first time as an NFL head coach, known as an offensive What did you think of Kyler Murray when you saw him last week? Didn't you think he looked like the mayor of Munchkin land? <laughs> He's definitely a small guy, man. To your point, if you're worried about Baker being small, Kyle Murray's even shorter. And and I get the oh, he's fast, he's elusive. But my whole point, like as you said, is when you have to throw between the tackles, when you cannot evade the rush, right? When 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 you have gap integrity, when 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 literally those linemen are not letting you maneuver, how are you going to throw over these like six three defensive linemen who can jump and bat the ball down? Like that's a legit concern. No doubt. And I mean, like, look, I never, when I watched Baker Mayfield last year, I never thought he was the mayor of Munchkinland. Like, I never thought that, right? But when I watched Murray the other night on TV, like, I thought he was the mayor of Munchkinland. I thought, we, you know, he looks so tiny. Right. Like, are you kidding me? You want the Wizard like, of Oz music to start playing. We represent. Exactly. Follow the yellow brick road. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're going to have to follow. Like, I don't understand it. And then they're going to say next year, if they win five games, have the first pick in the draft. Well, we're just going to take a big haul for this pick. We don't need a quarterback. And you know what's going to happen? The same thing happened in Tennessee. They're going to need a quarterback, too. Could you imagine if you have Kyler Murray and Tua Tungavailoa? Like, back-to-back years, you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, and you're no, right. that would be three in a row. You have Josh Rosen, then you have Tua, then you have Kyler. You, could you imagine going three years in a row with that? I mean, it, it's really not the worst logic because at some point when you get it, you got it. I mean, you absolutely hit it. It's perfect. 
Right, and when you figured out who the guy is, well, then the other guy you can ship off and whatever. You get what you can for him. And you, it's get, fine. you get your, you get it back. It's like yeah. buying, you know, like Millie gave me a bunch of shit for buying a Jeep, which I hated. I absolutely hated the Jeep, right? Like yeah. I had this, I had this love affair to have a Jeep, you know. Mm-hmm. So I bought it. But at least the one thing is when you sold, when I sold it back and got rid of it, it held its value. I don't know how it was like driving a piece of tin, but it held its value. What led to your desire to have a Jeep, and then what was it about the Jeep that soured you on it? I thought it would be really cool. Bella and I, I get Bella in the front seat. You know, Lana would be in the back. I'd have two dogs in the car, have the top down, and I would drive around Ocean City in the summertime. The problem is I can't even screw a screwdriver in anything, right? So there's no way I could take the roof off and on. And it, and I can't hear out of one ear, right? I'm deaf in my completely deaf in my right ear. So if I turned the radio on the Jeep, I couldn't hear anything. I was literally, I couldn't hear a word. So it's like... And, you know, I get my ass kicked every time I, a Jeep goes by. Oh, there's a Jeep. Maybe you just didn't get the right color. It's no. just like that, you know. <laughs> the life and times of Lombardi. I love when we peel the yeah. curtain back on you and Millie. Um, this is a great one. You mentioned earlier the Virgil Salazzas of the Browns. This is the Luca Brazzis. This is betting advice, <laughs> as you mentioned. You work with Vison, But who's going to get fired? A little bit of gallows humor here for coaches because they do have bets and everything. And to make it clear, of course, Mike and I know what it's like to lose one's job. We don't cheer for anyone to lose their job. We hope everyone keeps their jobs forever. But the simple math is NFL coaches get recycled like we recycle our Bamba socks. And that's why it only stands to reason that a few guys are going to lose their jobs. Right now, Jay Gruden is the first to be fired. This is like the Sopranos. If you started guessing, okay, when is you know Richie April going to go down? When is Ralphie yeah. going to meet his demise? That's yeah. what this is for NFL coaches. Yeah, and so look, I I don't bet. I I make that very clear. I don't bet, but I do give investment advice because I think this we're no different in in sports media than than Jim Cramer on TV giving advice on what stock to buy. And these there's certain times where Vegas or offshore betting gives the better an advantage. I think he gives the better an advantage on the over and unders of the of the things. I think he gives the better an advantage of the MVP because the why is it an advantage? Because there's a smaller pool of potential candidates who can win. This what coach will get fired is also in that same category. There's a very small pool. We know this. It's a harder job to get than a United States senator to be a head coach in the NFL. There's only 32 of them. We also know that there's seven to eight of them lose their jobs every year, maybe five to seven, let's say. All right, now we're not rooting for anybody to lose their jobs here at GM Shuffle. We don't want that. I mean, I've lost my job. No, I don't root that. Mm-hmm. But we also know that there's 16 of the 32 who are probably not going to get fired. Right, mm-hmm. we know that Adam Gase, Andy Reid, Belichick, O'Brien. Now people say O'Brien, no, Flores. You know Arians, Peterson, Reich, Harbaugh, John Gruden, Fangio, Zach Taylor, Carroll, Zimmer, Nagy, and Lafleur. We know they're not going to get fired. Maybe Le- I don't think Lafleur's getting fired after a year, unless that's but. But so so let's just say Lafleur. We put him in there. There's 15 coaches who are not going to get fired. That means there's only 17 you got to deal with, right? And which ones? And now you've narrowed the field. If you take five hundred dollars and put a hundred on, say you put a hundred on, on, on uh, Matt Patricia, you put a hundred on Doug Marone, you put a hundred on Jay Gruden, you put a hundred on Jason Garrett, or whatever. You pick five, whatever you want. You got a chance to make money. It's not that you're rooting for him to lose, but that's this is what the this is what the world has given us. Why not take advantage of it? I'm about to say, people can bet on anything they want, and you know what? If you're looking to make a little extra cash, this is another option for you. In terms of betting advice overall, go ahead, Mike. And, and it's the great Jim Nance's line to me, only bet as much as you're willing to win. Because this is one of those where you have a chance to win something. You know, I mean, you could really, like, look, I'm not rooting for Pat Shermer to get fired, but Pat Shermer's odds to start the season was 50-1. to 1. Now he's down to 5-1. to 1. So you know people are betting him. I mean, 
Frank Wright started at fourteen to one. He's up to eighty to one. Nobody's you know nobody's betting him, right? Mm-hmm. Jay Gruden started at fifty to one. You could have gotten Jay Gruden to get fired at fifty to one. Now he's three to one. And all these lines reflected where the money's coming in. It has nothing to do with it. So for me, I think there's a great opportunity for you if you're an investor and you want to play sports and have a rooting interest in something. Look, I'm not rooting, but I mean, I'm telling you something. I truly think Jay Gruden, if he got fired, he would say, thank God, I can't take this crap anymore. I got a bad <laughs> medical. I got, you know, I got Bruce Allen running the goddamn, just make Bruce Allen the goddamn coach, you know, right, right. like put him up there. Uh, we're going to talk about John Gruden a little bit later on. Of course, he's got as good job as good as anybody with that 10-year contract. But more on the whole betting advice here. Again, you and I are not gamblers, but you can give some betting advice here, Mike. What you've seen from the preseason, maybe a team that you're high on, maybe a team you're not on. How should people draft with fantasy? What kind of advice do you got from what you've seen for bettors? I, I think you should definitely take a look at, at, at in, in betting. I think you have to be really careful. Betting is like investing. If you want to bet based on your heart, stop. don't do it. Just don't do it. You're making a terrible mistake. And if you want to bet based on last week's results, don't do it. Don't think that just because Arizona played like shit against the the Cardinals, they're going to play better. They're going to play bad next week. Don't do that. I think the other thing you got to do is peel back the layer. I think you got to take it deeper into and analyze it. So let's just say Arizona's playing Detroit. We know Vance Joseph was the defense coordinator of Miami Dolphins before he became the head coach. We also know he's a defense coach. What's Matthew Stafford's numbers versus a Vance Joseph defense? So before you want to make a bet, you always want to look at the matchups, offensively, defensively, coordinator versus coordinator, so you can get some of that. I think that's really the way to do it. Take time to do it. Don't just naturally say your first reaction, oh, you know, I can't believe they got the Patriots favored by seven over this team. No, no, don't even go there. Like, break it down and analyze it, and then figure out what games really matter most to teams. And then when your team's backs to the wall, you know they're going to come out and play. When some teams doesn't care, they don't. So I think there's you got to be really you got to take your emotion and your fan out of betting. Uh, this is an interesting term which you taught me: giveaway players versus trading away players. So I thought in the past if you didn't like a guy, you could just cut him, or if you think he has to value, trade him. But you've you've now time with this new team: giveaway players. What does that mean? Well, that means they're guys that they're just willing to give away. I mean, Treadwell from Minnesota, you can he, they'll give him away. They don't want they don't want him on their team. They don't want to cut Treadwell, him either. The receiver, you think they don't like him? Yep. They, oh, they definitely don't like him. They, they know they made a mistake with him. They know they've blown the pick with him. And that's what happens when you take a big receiver who can't run. you got to be really sure he can separate. Look, there's a lot of guys in the league that can't run, but they can get open, you know, because they can separate just a little bit, and they're great jump ball receivers. Treadwell's not a great jump ball receiver. I mean, Harry, the kid New England drafted, has got great hands. He's a great jump ball receiver. I'll tell you, the, the, the ultimate is Hopkins. He can't run a lick, but he's the ultimate 50-50 ball guy. He always comes down with it. He's got incredible hands. So he, he makes plays. But the trade players, like, for example, there's a receiver, and I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, but there's a receiver that is available that people it would shock people in the NFL if he if they traded him and people would say there's no way they could trade him and I'm telling you they will there's a team that's calling him I I got to get it confirmed first but there is now that's a trade player giveaway players mean you just want to give away the players and here's why when I was in the league this was common practice say I want to cut a guy and I really don't want to cut him Parcells would do this all the time he doesn't want to cut the guy so he and Ron Wolf would trade he would trade the guy to Ron Wolf in Green Bay Wolf would have him for a day or two and then he would cut him so it's your way of getting rid of a player now the trade might be a 2020 a 2020 uh you know seventh round pick if he's active for 10 games it might be something like that it's going to be absolutely no no value at all but they just want to get rid of the player. So there's trade players like this receiver I'm talking about, and then there's giveaway players like Treadwell. 
Interesting to see, because you're right. Certain guys, just not worth the headache. You go, all right, you cut him because I don't have to deal with this. I'll just get rid of the guy, right? Yeah, that's and that, that's what you're trying to do. And I think, and I think, look, look, there's all these teams want to get rid of players that are problems. And if a guy feels like he's a problem, like Antonio Brown was a problem. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they gave Antonio Brown away for a third-round pick because nobody would trade, because he, they could never get his real value. They had to get rid of him. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Let's talk about this Vikings new kicker, Kare Vedvik. He can both punt and kick field goals, and it opens up an additional spot on the roster for the team. Do you think, Mike, it's legitimate this guy can do both, and should more teams be doing this? I don't know if the guy can do both. I really don't. I would have a hard time. I think it's going to be interesting what the Vikings do with Dan Bailey. Do they let Dan Bailey go, and would the Bears take Dan Bailey? Would they take him? I don't know. Like To me, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't know if they would. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they would not want to get rid of him, not give the Bears that advantage of having a guy who's reliable. Because we know Chicago's a hard place to kick, right? It's the, it's the freaking windy city for a reason, right? So that's a hard place to kick in. I don't know. This would be this would be problematic. I don't know if a guy can do both. I don't know if a guy can do absolutely both. It's going to be challenging. They gave up a fifth round pick, but they got a kicker for four years and a fifth round pick. You can't beat that. Pretty good value there. Uh, taking place tonight, Raiders and Packers playing in Winnipeg, and the funniest look of the week, Aaron Rodgers showed up with a Canadian tuxedo. For those who are unaware, that's a <laughs> jean jacket, jeans, and he had a mustache. Like Aaron Rodgers looked unbelievable. I'm like, I, I, yeah. like, I tell you what, normally in Winnipeg, they're used to the Blue Bombers of the CFL. Tonight, you get the Packers and the Raiders, which are should they, be a lot they, of fun. Are they drawing any fans there? 
I was going to say, generally the Blue Bombers do pretty well. It, it's interesting. The CFL, Mike, it's huge out west. But, like, I grew up in Toronto, obviously growing up in Ontario. And the Argos, for years, just, they pale in comparison. Like, all my friends were all NFL fans. We just grew up as NFL wow. guys. And so you're right. CFL, it's very niche. It's more for Western Canada. I'd love to see an NFL team, but it would always be in uh, Toronto, uh, Montreal, Vancouver. Out west, those areas, they do like the CFL. I think this. I think the Raiders did a smart thing taking a home game up there. Because, look, to put those kids on that on that dirt, when they don't have to. You know, we're talking about the Raiders' schedule. They don't play home for so long. Uh, it's the best thing because with the A's playing there, they can get them off that dirt and they can play. And I think it's the best thing. They'll, they make, they'll make just as much money going up to Winnipeg as they did staying at home. So I think that's the best thing. I think it's going to be interesting tonight, since we're recording this on Thursday, is how many holding penalties we get. I was talking to a couple coaches last week and this week, and, you know, you got to have to coach against holding penalties. Because they're just they're they're unbelievable. They're taking over the game. Everybody's talking about pass interference, but these holding calls are insurmountable things to overcome. Because if you get in a second and twenty, you might as well punt the goddamn thing. And they're calling them left and right. They used to call them never away from the ball. Now they're calling them away from the ball. And I think it's going to affect your play calling. I think if you come out and try to start a drive with a lead play, lead off tackle like my man the Clapper loves to do, you know, run weak lead, you know, run, run away from the strength of the defense, right? And, and you get called for holding, now you're first and 20. You might as well punt. I mean, it's really – I think this is a problem. And I think in a betting angle, I, I think this is going to lower, the, the, lower the, the point total if they call it the way they're calling it this summer. Any idea where they're calling it? Listen, I, I get it if it's like, I just said, on the ball, if it's a critical play, it impacts play. But calling it away from the ball, that seems like a new trend. Why are they doing that? I, I don't know. They just made it a mandate that they want to clean this up. Look, we know this. There's a favorite line that everybody says, you can call holding on any play, right? Which is true. You can. I mean, guys hold all the time. It's like calling but traveling now in basketball. They're call it happens every play. Exactly. Now they're going to call it. And if you get your hands outside of a, of a defensive lineman, if you get your hands away, it's going to be a problem. And I, I, I just don't know... I don't know how this is going to help the game because I think it's going to slow down the game. I think it's going to force more punts. I think it's going to keep scoring down. I think it's something to talk about. And we're talking about pass interference, Christ Almighty. You know, like, let's stop. Like, can we just work our way through it? Like, we're analyzing pass interference calls. Now, what do you think their coaches are doing? They're just throwing it out there to see what the hell they're going to call. Like, we're just working our way through it. It'll figure it out, self out. Speaking of figuring itself out, we both watched Hard Knocks episode three, which oh, Eric Tuesday night on HBO. And Antonio Brown, I mean, the love fest with him and John Gruden, I've learned nothing about this Raiders team. <laughs> and I, like, I hope to get some narrative insight, and there's nothing. Like, Gruden just looks like a happy guy. He's upbeat. Him and Antonio Brown's like, hey, man, you know, you're a corporation. Take care of yourself. So happy to have you. But, oh, yeah, coach, you're the best. Thanks for believing in me. How's your feet? Well, sometimes they get really hot. Other than that, they're okay. Yeah, you feel like cutting them off once in a while. The best part was Frank Caliendo and doing John Madden and Charles yeah. Barkley and Gruden. He was unbelievable. He was the best. But, you know, it's funny. We're going to talk about Bruce and Blinded by the Light later. Bruce has a song called Two Faces. It's on the. It's one of his great albums. Nobody talks about it. it the Tunnel of Love album has some great songs on it. But Two Faces Have I. And, and when I watch Gruden, Two Faces as Gruden. Like, you know he's being nice to Antonio Brown for the show. But in the background, he's like, when is he going to get this asshole on the field? Like, seriously, you know, two faces have I, you know, he's just driving them crazy. You know, one minute, one minute they're saying, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And then in the same breath, Mike Mayock's holding a press conference saying he's either all in or all out. Like, how do you do that? Right. That's two faces. So I feel, look, I don't feel bad for him. That This is, as my grandmother would told me, this is the bed you lay in. You got to make it right. So. 
you, you know, this is what they got to do with their life, but I, I don't know how he's – but we're not seeing the real John Gruden. Actually, I think Frank Caliendo was more John Gruden than John Gruden was. <laughs> well, it was funny. At one point when Gruden was talking about being supportive of Brown, he goes, hey, man, he's sticking up for what he wins. What he, he's sticking up for what he believes in. That's America yeah. today. I'm like, are you kidding? There's no way that would be Gruden's stance. Week one of the regular season, Antonio Brown's yeah. still holding on because of a helmet. I mean, it's two faces have I. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, you know, and so it, it, it's really – look – Look, they, you know, it's going to be interesting. I thought the Caliendo stuff was good, but yeah, you're right. I love seeing Luke Wilson in the boat with his dad. That was fun <laughs> stuff. I guess this is a Canadian yeah. guy. Hey, dad, you ever think I'd be in Sausalito? No, it's having a good time out here. I mean, could you imagine how hard it must be at HBO to come up with content that they really like and feel like, oh, this is going good here? I mean, seriously, they, like, they, thank God they have Antonio Brown there. If they didn't have Antonio Brown there, they would be desperate because, you know, the Raiders are playing it so close, which they should. They're playing it really close to the vest. Aside from Brown, the only drama has been who's going to be backing up David Carr? Is it going to be Mike Glennon or Nathan Peterman? Like, that's what they're trying to sell, the backup quarterback battle. And then you see Gruden getting fired up over Glennon. He's like, hey, man, you're like eight feet tall. you got to make that pass. And he's, like, he's, yeah. he's excited about a preseason touchdown. Like, are you kidding? Come on, man. Uh, yeah, look, let's be real honest here. They don't have a backup quarterback. We'll let you in a little secret. They don't have a backup quarterback. Like, seriously, Nate Peterman, no, you know. I mean, oh. trading A.J. McCarron might have been the biggest mistake they made. I mean, look. You know, they cut Shaq Callahan, this defensive lineman, at the, and now I watch him on Patriot tape. He's one of the best defensive linemen the Patriots have. They just let him go. They just let him out of there. Like, the one thing about the Raiders, they're just going to let players come and go. Like, A.J. McCarron's better. I don't know if A.J. McCarron's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he's better than both Peterman and Glennon. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And every time you do that, that but that's part of who John is. John loves to change. He loves change, you know, and so – I, I don't know. And that's why it's so hard to believe that he's, you know, it's America, man. You got to do exactly what you want. I mean, yeah. seriously? I mean, we're talking about enemas and we're talking about feet. Yeah, that was awful. The receivers have an enemas on the sideline. I'm like, oh my. They just goes, yeah, that's good. That, that'll really resonate with people. Uh, before we get to the mailbag, what'd you think of Ezekiel Elliott? He was upset with Jerry Jones just oh, making Christ. a joke. Jones is just making a joke and then Zeke was pissed about it. I mean, it's a joke. Rock, Rocky Arsenal, I think Stephen Jones came out later today and said that, you know, that some agents, and he never named Rocky Arsenal, uh, called him out. But are you kidding me? Here's Jerry Jones who stood by this kid when he's going through so many plights with the law, right? Stood right by him. Bitched about the six-game suspension. It's been with him the whole time. Never wavered, right? The kid's got two years left on a contract. He doesn't have one year left on a contract. He has two years. Uh, Amari Cooper's in camp on the same draft year, and he's got one, and he's playing on his option year. So, like, time out here. Wait a second. Time out. Like, are you kidding me? You're pissed off at somebody? You just let the guy down. I mean, and here's where I think the Cowboys have a real issue, and they can't do it now. They can't give in now is because if they give in, it, what's going to happen is Rocky Arsenal is going to go around and tell everybody, see, this is the strategy you got to use against these teams. we got to hold out. And if the Cowboys give into this and they don't fine them and they don't make them pay a price, then Art Rocky's going to get a ton more clients and it's going to become a problem. Like Melvin Gordon says he's waiting for the phone call, right? Well, you know what? That phone call's never coming. Like, it ain't coming. Like, I, I, the, the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back. When people understand that, like, I love Bino Cook's line years ago. He said, hey, the Ohio State-Michigan game in the year 2050 is already sold out and the kids are going to play aren't even born yet, Right. At some point, you got to realize it doesn't matter how badly you want this new deal. Teams are just going to move on. Like the, the, the Spanos family has proven they'll move on. They, they've proven it over time and years, right? They've proved it. The Cowboys, if they give in to Rocky, and they, and now he feels I love I love Jerry's comment. I have the right to say what I. He's right. 
He stood by this kid the whole time. This kid's not standing by Jerry. It's definitely been surprising to see that the way that's kind of gone down. Because ultimately, you're like, listen, dude, what's the problem here? You're getting paid. You're on a good team. You have an owner who loves you. It's going to get taken care of. Like I said, he's got two years left anyways. Uh, yeah, send us your questions exactly. by emailing us at thegmshuffle at gmail.com. Thegmshuffle at gmail.com. This is from Ryan, a Houstonian emailing from D.C. Hi, Mike. Your insight and knowledge of the game and how many of your lessons are applicable in life. Who are some lesser-known running backs to look out for? And who are some lesser-known wide receivers to look out for? That question from Ryan. Who you got? I love this David Montgomery. I think he's really good. He's a loose playback, which I think you got to have in the NFL. He's a guy who can pass protect. Like I watched the Cowboys, Tony Pollard last week. He couldn't pass protect. I always said it wasn't his fault. But in terms, just terms of sheer pass protection, he didn't look like he can do it. So remember, running backs, when you evaluate running backs, it's pass protection, it's catch, then it's run. And I think Montgomery can do all three things really well. I think the kid at Minnesota, I think it's Madison, the kid that they drafted, in the third round, I think he looks like a keeper. And Jay Glazer reported today that they're absolutely in love with him, and I can see it. To me, him and Dalvin Cook, I think that's a perfect combination because here's why I know he's good, because I'm watching the tape and I'm thinking, God dang, I can't tell you who's different. I can't tell you who's a better player, Cook or this kid. Right. And that's when you're getting somewhere. And then, I, you know, these receivers, like this – you know, these two receivers, Preston Williams from the from the Miami Dolphins, drafted, uh, undrafted kid out of Colorado State, and then Myers from the Patriots, undrafted. You know, what people don't realize is when you want a slot receiver, everybody wants little guys. Adam Humphreys, which really doesn't fit what Tennessee does. Adam Humphreys doesn't really fit there. You know, so, but they're going to try to use them. And, and then the reality of it is, 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 is you need a big guy to play the slot because if you want to run the ball like Mohamed Sanu, he can block on the edge, and you get an extra defender, to, you get an extra blocker. And so these big guys that can play in the slot, like Myers, like the kid at Miami, I mean, you got a much better chance at, at, at moving the football. So the Preston Williams, so those are the two guys that I, I think have a chance to be really good. As we close up shop, let's talk about one of my favorite movies of the year and a movie I knew my man Lombardi was going to be all over considering his love for Bruce Springsteen. It's called Blinded by the Light. Uh, full in-depth review on Cinephile, my podcast. It's available on Cadence 13. But for those who know the story, based on a true story of a kid growing up in England, uh, parents in Pakistan, you know, conservative family. They don't want him to be a writer. They want him to focus on you know, his studies, stay away from girls, that kind of thing. He gets a cassette tape of Springsteen, which as he tells... Uh, his sister, like this one really speaks to him. And there's a great sequence he's hearing dancing in the dark and they put the lyrics up on the screen and you knew the Born to Run montage mic was going to be phenomenal. I mean, you just really want to start pumping your fist. You're so excited to hear the music. But I thought it was a real allegory for how the arts can inspire someone and how yeah. you know families should understand music and movies and all that kind of stuff can really inspire you just as Springsteen inspired this kid in real life. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt. And, you know, look, I, I it brought tears to my eyes, just like when I saw Bruce on Broadway brought tears to my eyes. Because I think the, 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 the underlying current, people say, well, you know, all you uh, you know old white guys like Springsteen. No, like words last a lifetime. Powerful words can motivate you, just like uh, Kanye West's words might motivate people, Jay-Z's words. I mean, everybody has different pro words that motivate. And it's all in the words. It isn't in because he's an older white guy. It's, it's all because of the words. And I think this movie really really documents how words can impact you, how the music in your life can motivate you to try to reach something bigger than yourself and chase a dream. I mean, really, think about it. Here's a kid in London. He decides to chase his dream as a writer, doesn't even know how good he could be. And just because somebody's singing about getting out, I, I thought it was unbelievable. It made me cry. I the lines are just forever. I mean, like, 
there's no doubt that you're right. When they put the words up on the board, they were really ringing true. And that last sequence, again, I don't want to give it away because I do want people to check out the film, Blinded by the Light. But that scene where, you know, because you can see where it's going. Obviously, he's got this friction with his dad. But that final scene, like you said, if you can't get teary-eyed watching that, I mean, you just don't have a heart. <laughs> no, I mean, you can't. And, and, you know, it's a little bit about his dad. A lot of it was about Bruce's dad, about how, you know, all these words that Bruce was singing. Like the, my, one of my favorite Bruce songs is The Wish, which is about his mom. Well, the only song he ever wrote about his mom. You know, you know, and he talks about how his dad's eyes were a window in a world say untrue, but you kept me from crawling through. I mean, it's one of the greatest lines of all, and it's really the power of a mother. You kept me from going into his world, and you gave me this world, which I thought was great. But, I, you know, the thing is, Millie made me watch this on CBS Saturday morning. They did a uh, – they previewed the movie. And so Springsteen's coming out of a like a, a premiere of something, and he and Patty are walking. He walks over to this writer – and says, I read your book. It was really, really good. And the writer, I don't know, his, I don't remember his name, says, you read my book? He said, yeah. How'd you get it? And Bruce said, so, you know, people send me stuff all the time. I read it. I loved it. Can you imagine wow. how much awareness it takes for a guy to do that? That's incredible. Like you said, he just gets sent stuff all the time. Like, what's this? Oh, some book about some guy who was inspired by my music. Okay. Actually reads it. And then to your point, it's a writer. It's not like a TV personality. Like the, you can spot a writer in a line of all these people. That, that's that's, that's remarkable, right? Yeah. I mean, that just shows you just, you know, and I mean, he knows that. I think he knows how he, how he impacts people. And I think, look, the movie... The movie's tremendous. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be one. I think it could be a play, easily could be a play. I think it'll have much more success, you know, in Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, are you watching Mindhunter? No, I heard about that show. Tell me, you like it, right? I, I do like it. Liz Hanna writes, wrote it. She wrote The Post, which I think was really a good movie. She's a great writer, but she's writing some of the seasons. And Jonathan Croft, which I just found out, he's the guy that plays uh, the King, King, G King George in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. He's in it. I loved Hamilton. If you tell me it's got any sort I did of that too. pedigree, I'm in. Yeah, I did great. too. I mean, I, I wasn't sure I was going to get Hamilton when they started singing. Uh, and I looked at Millie. I'm like, this could be a long night for me. But eventually I got it. Just like that's, you know, it works. I know. I, my brother's the only one who didn't like Hamilton. Everybody else said no. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. If you like history, American history, you don't. Like just Hamilton's so well done. But uh, my brother's the only guy. He's like, nah, wasn't for me. Uh, as always, check out the GM Shuffle. You can tweet us individually. Email us at the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. We're only weeks away from real football here, and we will start going to two. I was going to say two a days, but two a weeks. So look forward to that. Come yep. September, Mike and I will be putting out podcasts, I believe, every Monday, every Thursday. So plenty more coming up. Appreciate you guys listening. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.